Do you realize how blessed we are? We are literally some of the most blessed people in the world. And um, we get to just, we are so free, we are so blessed. And look at the sun and everything around us. I mean, seriously, it's, it's hard not to be really happy just about how good God is. And um, we had a great night Wednesday night. And uh, Ryan shared some of his perspectives from India. And um, wasn't it an awesome night for those of you who are here? It was just a great night. I don't even know if we recorded it, but it, you, we might put it up on podcast if we did. Because it was just a great message that Ryan shared from the heart. And, um, and so we're, we're really excited about what God is doing. And even some of the things he's preparing us for in 2016. And um, we went down, a few of us, um, this week to the Aldinga campus, to the trade training center where we're going to have the church plant next year. And, um, and we just hovered around in there for a while. And um, just getting a, a feeling, I suppose, for, for some of the, the practical things. But um, there's a real excitement. I'm getting excited about what that means for us as a church and um, what it means in reaching out and stretching forth the tent pegs. And it's by faith because it's not, not, it's not like we're um, you know, um, overloaded with extra things that we need to be doing. Um, but there's been a desire in our hearts and we just feel this is the right time. And um, I suppose for us, it's one of those things that we've always... Um, ask the Lord to keep fresh in our minds is not to get too content with um, when things are going really well to just settle and just get really content and be happy with that because to be honest with you um, in the last little while there's such a peace on this place now um, that it's really content and we're so blessed and and there's such a, a heart um, bond growing in amongst us that we could really probably you know do this for another few years and it would be really really good it would be really nice but the kingdom of God always advances and so that's one of those things he's just urging us just on to a new thing next year and um, and so we're really looking forward to it as uh, as part of this house um, and God's Stirring some other things as well. I think that throughout next year, we're feeling that he's building, um, growing relationships with other people, other churches, other leaders that we're, we're just exploring right now. And um, But it's exciting. And God has used this house, to, and he's using this house to build something very, very unique. And you need to know that. And especially those of you who've been here for, for a long, long time, you need to know that it's very, very special what God has planted here and, and what he's beginning to grow. Because next year, we're going to begin to see an expansion of that and an increase on that. Um, and that's a little bit about what I want to share today. So um, last few weeks, I've forgotten some of the real practical things I was going to just share, but I don't think there's any others for today. Yes, there's one more thing. So next week, I'm going to be preaching down at Chad Mansbridge's church at Bayside, and so Ryan is going to take the pulpit, and um, and so come along, support him, cheer him on, and it's going to be a, a great Sunday in both locations. Um, but... Um, I think Karen's still going to come and just check up on him anyway. <laughs> but um, no, it's good. It's really good what God's doing. And um, yeah, let's just pray for a minute, hey? Lord, we thank you 
for how blessed we truly are. And we don't take that for granted today. Lord, we receive everything you've given us, Lord, and we ask that you would use us for your kingdom. We ask that today you would speak clearly to us. And Lord, I pray that you would guide our hearts in exactly the direction you want us to go. And Lord, we submit ourselves to you this morning, and we ask that as we read your word and as we share together, Lord, that your inspiration, your life, your power, your love would be poured out in this house, and that we may go from here with something extra that we didn't have when we came in. And Lord, I pray you'd bless each one of us, bless our relationships, bless our finances, bless our health, bless our decisions. And Lord, we just thank you for how good you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today I have um, changed this sermon title a few times. And so you can pick whatever you like, really, and all of it will fit, I think, because um, this is one I was going to share some weeks ago, and I felt it was a little technical for a particular morning. And um, so I've refined it. And um, I've distilled it down to some of the key thoughts that I think God was trying to say. It's interesting when you, um, when you are preparing a sermon or anything, really, it's the temptation is to way overdo it, overwrite, overprepare, over everything. And I've learned that um, when you do that, you actually then cloud the message and you cloud what you're really trying to say with a whole lot of you and your own insecurities. And, um, and so one thing I've learned, particularly in the last few years, is um, especially on the Sunday morning when I'm just praying and reading through and just is actually I'll go out and delete whole sections of what I was going to say to just try and distill down to the key issues of what I feel he really wants to say rather than what I might try and pat it out to. So hopefully today I can do that. Let's see how we go. Um, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 25. And um, I read the first parable from Matthew chapter 25 last week or the week before on the ten virgins. But this time I want to read uh, the parable of the talents. And that starts in uh, verse 14. Matthew chapter 25 verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey... Who, is called, who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. Now, I'll just give an explanation here. It will be like is talking about the kingdom will be like. Okay, so just so you know what we're talking about there, we're talking about this is what the kingdom of God is going to look like and be like. And verse 15, To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once to put his money to work and gain five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. The man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. 
You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I return, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has been will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth." Um, confusing passage, that last little, pas- last little bit, isn't it? I hope to unpack that a little bit today. We'll just see how we go. I might leave you more confused than when you came, but we'll just see. Um, when it's an easy thing to look around at society and the world and the global situation right now, and um, one of the sermon titles that I called this same sermon was Pivot Point. Um, this time I chose to call it Us or Him. So you can choose whichever one you prefer. But the reason I I originally titled it Pivot Point was because the world is at a pivot point right now. Uh, Politically and religiously, if you like, or spiritually, we're really at a pivot point where you can see in the West so much dampening down and political correctness and silencing of the Christian message, the message of Jesus, and so much um, nicety to any other religion Uh, that isn't Christianity. And so you see in Canada, in the US, in Australia, in Europe, even in England and places like this, you you see things you would never even have dreamt possible um, are happening right now. They're they're not allowed to have, I think it was Canada, yesterday I read about they're not allowed to sing, um, uh, have a normal band singing Christian songs in the open air, which they've done for like a hundred years. They're not allowed to do that anymore because it may offend people of other faith, uh, one particular faith in, in particular. And so we're becoming so politically correct and so accepting and so open arms that we then give away Jesus the only one who we really care about, we give him away. And so we can see this this situation going on, uh, particularly in the West. It's not so much in perhaps the developing nations because they need Jesus so bad, they're not really that worried about political correctness. They just run after him out of desperation in those areas. And so it's us who who are supposedly wise and learned and enlightened are completely unenlightened. And we're further, further unenlightening ourselves the, the deeper we go. And you only have to read a little bit of the newspaper and see you know, what's going on to understand that. But I give that background to say that we really do need a reformation. And one of my heroes is Martin Luther, as I've said before. And I really, you know, I could continue reading about him all the time because there's just something about the, the message. And the, yes, he was a radical and he made mistakes and he... He, he, you know, overshot the mark on some things quite clearly. But that doesn't dampen down the actual core reformation that God brought through him. Just like with the Apostle Peter, he overshot the mark a few times with his sword. But that didn't dampen down the message either. And so, um, anyway, so I was thinking about this and thinking about the pivot point that we're in as a society. And um, 
And I've thrown some statistics. I like statistics and I like um, watching the global economic situation. And this week I'm going to Melbourne to an investment seminar. And, you know, it's probably really boring to most people. But um, it's it's an investment seminar that um, is for people who don't just want to read the newspaper or watch television to find out what's going on in the media. But it's for people who actually want to know what's going on in the economic situation under the, under the surface, actually the real stuff. And so, um, yes, I'm sceptical on anything on the news. Um, but I like digging into things and just finding out. And so I'm doing that uh, this week, partly because I feel that um, we have to be wise stewards, and, and I'm not going into a wise money investment scheme with um, this parable, by the way, but um, let me just stretch it out a little bit more for you. But when I look and see that things like the statistic I gave you the other week, I think it was about 9 or 10 billion people uh, by 2030, 2050, um, that's a lot of people and we don't actually have enough resources on earth to feed that many people. And so there's things like this, and I don't want to put fear out there, but what I'm saying is there's a pivot point we're sitting on as a generation right now, globally, whether it's energy resources, whether it's food supply, whether it's all-out war, whether it's um, the religious situation, whether it's um, an economic collapse that is maybe bigger than we've ever seen in the history of um, the economy as we've known it in the last, say, two or 300 years, um, it's possible. It's possible. There's more debt, global debt, in the world right now than ever in history. And someone has to pay for that. <laughs> and again, I don't want to scare you, but I'm, I'm letting you know that we can't just assume things will always just roll on as they are right now. Our government is facing some issues whereby um, the debt increase on the Australian government's balance sheet just increases every year and there's really not a lot they can do about it. So, you know, I, I'm... I'm going to do a seminar next year and teach you some ways where you can protect yourself. But that's a whole other ballgame because I think we have to be really wise and we have to know what's going on out there to protect ourselves. And I think as believers, there's things we can do to be wise, to know where to put our money, superannuation, this sort of thing, so that we can be protected. Um, And uh, anyway, that's enough said. I don't want to get onto a conspiracy theory today. You can talk to Wayne and Irene about that when they come next year. Wayne loves conspiracy theories, so I think Ryan got onto a track with him one day. It lasted about four hours, right? But anyway, so um, they send their love, by the way. We Skyped them a couple of weeks ago, and they just love their time here. They're coming back we, uh, whenever we want, really, but early next year we're going to try and make that happen again, and um, we're going to have a, an amazing time with them. Um, so anyway... The pivot point that I'm seeing globally is, is it's in all facets and that's when you know a reformation is teetering. And a reformation like the reformation in 1517, I think it was with Martin Luther, which actually, by the way, I think is it, uh, it was only a couple of weeks ago was the, marked the anniversary of when he stamped his 95 thesis on the door at Wittenberg. Uh, I've lost everyone right now, I think, by just saying all those statistics. But anyway, so it was a couple of weeks ago, it was marked the anniversary of that. Um, But um, I'm a bit of a statistic nerd when it comes to some of these things. But let me get to the point. The point is, things won't just keep rolling the way they are right now, forever. They just won't. Governments can't afford to. 
Governments can't afford all of the different systems and structures that we have, and they'll continue to do that. They'll find ways, hopefully, to buffer it and, and, and keep it the way we are, and we pray blessing over our nation and our finances, but we've got to be wise. We've got to know what's going on because the enemy will use naivety. If we don't, if we don't know and we don't want to know and we just sort of leave this stuff, it can be faith. And I think there can be a faith element, but it can be naivety. We just, we just don't even want to know. You know, hopefully it, it holds itself together. But if we're wise, we can do something about it. If we understand, we can actually do something about it. And that's what I believe this parable is really talking about. We carry the kingdom of God within. This, uh, when Jesus was telling this parable... And in the first verse, he says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey. It is the kingdom of God. And the reason we know that is because this is prior to Jesus ascending, dying, rise again, ascending and being glorified and releasing Holy Spirit. When he released Holy Spirit, he released the kingdom of God. And he showed us evidences of the kingdom when he was on earth, but it really got released when he left. And so we can actually see Jesus says in um, Matthew 16, 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And he's saying this, he's saying, I will give you the keys. When? When does he give you the keys? When he gives us Holy Spirit. When he gives us Holy Spirit, we have all of him in us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, bang, inserted into us, and then we carry the kingdom of God. What do we do with the investment? What do we do with the deposit? The Holy Spirit's actually called a deposit in another passage. And we can actually think of it from an investment terms, which Jesus told this parable, and he's saying, what are we doing with the deposit within us? Do we invest it well? Do we invest our time well? Do we invest our knowledge well? Do we invest our prayer life well? Do we invest our family time well? Do we invest in our relationships with one another well? How do we invest the kingdom? Because the kingdom is not just about being closed in a a prayer room 24-7. It's great and we'll get a whole lot of downloads, but the kingdom flows in us and through us. And it's when it flows through us into other people that we really see what we're about. It's, I mean, it's easy to preach this stuff and stand here, but the the, the rubber hits the road when we relate together, when we have conflict together, when we disagree on something, when, when something goes wrong and we have to actually chew through something. That's what the kingdom of God really looks like. Do we love each other then? Because the Western church, and let's just pull it down to the church in Australia, is, is, and I've heard it said, I think it was Leif Hetland when he came out a few years ago, he said, the church in Australia, this is a Norwegian action, by the way. Uh, Ryan could probably do it better than me. Anyway, I'm going to go Aussie-Norwegian. The church in Australia is bleeding. And it's so true. Why? Because we haven't known what kingdom family really looks like. We just haven't. Why? Because we, our embryo state was convict state. It wasn't one of family. It wasn't with the founding fathers. It was founding convicts. And that's not our fault. It's, it's in some ways not even their fault, you know, stealing a bread loaf of bread or something like that. It's barely convict material. But anyway, we can see a nation's history of not being fathered and not being created into a family. And therefore, we as a church don't know how to do kingdom family too well. We get it wrong. And as soon as there's conflict, we break covenant. When we break covenant, a big issue happens. 
A big issue happens when we break covenant. We can see this in the Old Testament. When they broke covenant, it was a big deal. It was life or death. In the New Covenant, we can see that grace is applied, but therefore we don't apply the same kingdom principles anymore. We don't uphold relational covenant with one another like they would have back then. We don't uphold family covenant with one one another like the kingdom of God expresses because it's so easy to shop around these days. And by shopping around, what do we do? We suit our flesh's desire, maybe our spirit's desire as well, but we suit our desire. And the kingdom of God doesn't always suit our desires. It doesn't always fit perfectly into what we're seeking. And, and so I want this, I want that, I want this. And so we've become a very, very selfish church. And what happens, I think, in that is that it dampens down the power of our message. It dampens down the anointing. The anointing can only hang around selfishness for so long. It does, it does hang around, I'll be honest with you, and the anointing is ultimately God, is Holy Spirit. But it's the manifest presence of God, particularly on a person or a thing. There's, there's his anointing. And so his anointing, I've learned, does does hover around people or even a ministry for a certain amount of time. But then, then the selfishness, if that keeps going, then the anointing just gradually dissipates, gradually leaves. And I think we've seen that in the church. Our message doesn't carry the anointing of 100 years ago or 200 years ago. Why? Because of all the things that we've just talked about. So there is a reformation needed. The reformation... Um, you know, 500 years ago was a reformation ultimately of doctrine. And then we see the, the Azusa Street Pentecostal revival outpouring just over 100 years ago in Los Angeles was a reformation of the Spirit of God, the gifts. And so we have a reformation of the doctrine 500 years ago, and then 100 years ago we have a reformation of the Holy Spirit. The gifts were returned to the church. So first Jesus was returned 500 years ago, as the Savior, as the only Savior, justified by faith, faith alone, etc., etc. And then Holy Spirit like, is reawakened to the globe a hundred years ago. And it's like now we're in a melting pot of a situation whereby we, we need a reformation, but we don't know how to make it happen. And that's probably a good thing. And that's the pinnacle of what I want to get to today is that there's been many sermons talk, talked about on revival and re- reformation. There's been conferences, there's been seminars, there's been leaders' gatherings where you know, city leaders gather, and they're, they're amazing, and they, they should happen. There's nothing wrong with them. Um, and so over time, we've tried to work out, okay, how do we see God bring a reformation to a city or a nation or even just a region? How do we see that happen? And so we apply strategy to it. We apply our ideas to it. But then if that doesn't happen after a certain time, we get um, disenchanted and we get a little disappointed at what didn't happen. And so I want to talk about two key issues because this is where I think the rubber hits the road today for us. And bear with me because I've just got to pull this together um, for everyone to understand. Um, There are two trains of thought in Christianity, one being Calvinism and the other Arminianism. And these two trains of thought, Calvinism, Baptists are typically Calvinists. And so you can look up the five keys of of Calvinist. It's TULIP, T-U-L-I-P. But anyway, the, the key that I want to focus in on today is the sovereignty of God. 
because Calvin was part of even the Reformation era, and he really brought about an understanding and a teaching on the sovereignty of God. And so let me read a little bit about that, and then we have Arminius, who came about 50 years later and was a little bit opposed to the sovereignty of God idea, so he brought about the key element of man's responsibility. So we have these two um, trains of thought. We have the sovereignty of God, He's going to do it. He will do what he wants to do. And then, and then Arminius who says, no, it's man's responsibility to do some of these things and to take up the gospel and to go and, and do certain things. So we have these two things in tension. And so let me read a summary from um, a guy by the name of Paul Wilson. He says, it has been a purpose for a long time to discuss the subjects of God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. The two subjects are often set in opposition to one another as though they were mutually contradictory rather than complementary. Both are true, and they are found side by side in the Word of God. Calvin saw and taught the total ruin of man, that since Adam fell, all his posterity were born in sin and possessed by a will opposed to God. Thus Calvinism taught that mankind was hopelessly lost unless God stepped in and saved some. But that this he did, first by his own sovereign choice in a past eternity, and then by giving them faith in Christ when they were living on the earth. And so we can see here that the idea of God's sovereignty is one that if we really take it to the extreme, it's difficult to know what do we actually do then. If everything is sovereign and God has ordained everything and, and he knows who he's going to save and totally predestined, if you want to take it to a real hyper-Calvinism, you'll say don't even evangelize because God's sovereignty and predestination is so in place that he will select naturally who, who he's already elected to be saved. And there may be an element of truth in that, and I, I subscribe to that to some extent, but then I'm in tangent, uh, sorry, I'm in tension between man's responsibility so I'm a little bit of a hybrid, I have to say. And in that, um, it really brings about a tension of timing, of us listening to the Holy Spirit and knowing what do you want to do sovereignly and what are you expecting me to do with the responsibility you've given me. And this, I believe, is what Jesus is teaching in this parable. Um, you see where I was going now? It all starts to make sense, right? Anyway, um, so... In this parable, we see Jesus telling that the master, even though he was a hard master, all he expected was the servants to go out and be responsible for what he'd given them. He wasn't asking them to be responsible for things they didn't have the ability to do. It was only the things they had the ability to do. So that's why to some he gave uh, five, what, what it was, five, two and one or whatever it was, ten, five and one. Um, and we can see there that Jesus is fair. He's not going to expect anything of us that we haven't got. He's given us gifts. He's given us talents. He'll grow them and he'll build them. But he has already planted in us talents of all kinds. It's then up to us to say, okay, Lord, sovereignly you've chosen to give this to me. Another passage in 1 Corinthians says, he scatters gifts abroad according to his will. And so we can't compare ourselves. It's really easy sometimes, and I've done this a million times, you know, especially guys who have got real, you know, fantastic, dramatic gifts of perhaps healing or the prophetic. We can easily look at that and say, oh, I want that gift. I want that gift. And we can spend 10 years of our life going after that gift, going after that gift, and yet we've got our talents sitting on the table, just waiting to be invested. Our talents, 
Not his talents, but our talents. And they look like us, they feel like us, they sound like us. They don't sound like him or her. And there's a whole raft of people that I think get, um, get swayed uh, by a certain leader. And it could be a lady leader, it could be a, a guy. It, it, you know, it doesn't matter. It's the same in, in Christianity these days. And particularly, you know, we watch them on television and they write books. And it's amazing. There's nothing wrong with all of that. But the only thing is we can forget about our own talents and try and enact their talents. But that's wrong. And it's going to come out wrong. It's going to look silly. It's going to not be who we are. He wants us to be who we are. Authentic, real, gifted human beings. And um, it's, it's, I, I know sometimes if, if, if I... If I'm trying to go down a certain track, if, you know, maybe I'm watching a DVD series or listening to someone and, um, you know, and there's a, maybe a temptation, a fleshly temptation that rises up. It's like, oh, man, I'd love to be doing that. I'd love to be doing that. And, you know, um, it's like John Arnott said, you sort of have to sometimes just slap the orphan and say, get away, orphan. You know, get down. Do you know what I mean? It's just like that little orphan in us wanting to rise up and be someone. When actually he's saying, you are already someone. I've given you talents. I've given you gifts. I've anointed you. I've called you. Have a listen to this. The rest of Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about once you believe in Jesus and you receive the Holy Spirit. Then you've received the keys to the kingdom of heaven. If you're a believer this morning, you have those keys in your hands this morning. What better keys could you have? Seriously. You have them right now. What does that mean? That means you can unlock others' hearts with the gospel. It means you can release the anointing. It means you can release this message, this savior that you have sitting inside of you. You now have the keys to unlock people's destiny. And it's an amazing thing. Listen to the rest of it. It gets even better. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but I have tested this thing in my lounge room with loud worship music blaring. Normally, if I'm in an aggressive mood, it's like Rick Pino or Lyndall Cooley. I know Lyndall Cooley is a little, it's a little bi, but sometimes you've got to dig from the archives if you're really needing it, right? Anyway, so I was just going to go on a whole tangent there with Ron Cannoli, but I won't. Um, so only, only a very few percentage will even understand it. Anyway, so... Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. This is a big statement. This means situations that you are facing right now, claim this verse, but activate it. Claim it and activate it. It's one thing to sort of declare it over yourself and then you begin to step in it, begin to release it, begin to activate the keys to the kingdom, begin to activate the kingdom in people around you. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, all of this, as I, I probably have said 50 times, but I'm, I'm a balancer, okay? So like if, I, if I'm listening to um, someone preaching and they say a real radical statement, the, the balanced person in me says, oh, I wish he prefaced that with at certain times you need to do this rather than just everyone get out in the streets and start evangelizing. And he makes everyone feel bad who's not doing that. But so the balanced person in me says, okay, let's just not throw bombs at everyone and wreck everyone's day and make them feel guilty that they're not out on the streets. Um, 
Here's one. I've told some of the guys this week. I was listening to a podcast, and I, I do this just to um, to rub my spirit up the right way. But I listen to David Hogan fairly frequently, and so I listened to him this week. And he's in a church in New Zealand. I don't know a month or two ago. This is his opening statement to to um, welcome everyone here and make them feel really good about being in the in the conference together. He says, "You religious twits." you got two minutes to get out of here before we lock the doors. <laughs> and now you've got to really be on his page and have an open heart to even want to stay in a meeting where a guy opens the statement with that. But as he says, when you've raised 500 people from the dead, you might be able to have a little bit of license with your preaching, as he has proven, you know, he's, he's not a flake, he's the real deal. But he hates religion. And so uh, one of the elements that, that I see in, in a lot of these guys, just to take a tangent, is that, and this is where I was getting to in Scripture, it's easy to take a piece of Scripture like this or even a catchphrase of a pastor or a preacher or someone from around the globe and make that your mantra. But if we make that our mantra, it can really set us off course. Because just like with Scripture, we could take this one, cha- uh, this one verse, stamp it up, make it our thing, and it'll work and it'll be amazing. But we might get disillusioned when we're loosing um, Ferraris and mansions over ourselves and it's not happening. See, it has to be in accordance with his will. And if the kingdom of God lives in us, then we're actually going to be binding and loosing according to his will. So this is where the best thing to back up scripture is scripture. So if we have a real radical passage, then go and find a real fundamental passage and back it up. Scripture backs scripture. We don't back Scripture. Another preacher's good slogan doesn't back Scripture. Scripture backs Scripture. So when we find some of these radical things, and, um, and this is one of the things that my brain does constantly, is, is um, analyze some of this stuff to see how does this apply to us today? How does this apply to us right now? And here's the crux of what I want to say. Um, in fact, I'm going to read a summary I gave on sovereignty and then man's responsibility just to sort of bring it together. Um, This is what I wrote about my idea of the sovereignty of God. The thought of a sovereign move, as in a sovereign move of God, if that's what we're waiting for, we're saying we need a move of God, the thought of a sovereign move tends to lend itself to us waiting or calling on God to sweep over mankind with a major move of God, to save us and others around us from the woes of this dark world. And what is wrong with that? Nothing. Then we look at man's responsibility, which really um, gets the, the passion of activists for the name of Jesus and us bringing that together in who we are and how much we can strategize and take the kingdom and our biblical truth and righteous living and seeing transformation um, strategically, maybe in the, in the spheres of the mountains. And uh, in this way, we focus on what we can do to change our society Uh, by strongly making our case and influencing our world by the means God has given us. And what is wrong with that picture? Nothing. But the key, I believe, is the blend of the two. It's a blend of the two. And this is where I think sometimes we can um, 
really miss the mark a little bit because we'll be so maybe in the throne room seeking God move across our city and fasting and praying even as a church and Christians and we've all done this Uh, but if we posture ourselves in that direction all the time and yet we have our neighbors wondering why are you always going out to prayer meetings and why won't you talk to us and and so it's it's you you know it's it's we're deep detaching ourselves from the globe and we're becoming really, really good. We're calling down the the blessings of God and the presence of God and and that must be part of who we are. But if we don't know how to relate to our humanity, then they're not going to know how to relate to us. And so this is where I see that these things have to uh, really bind together strongly. If you think about it, um, there is so much wealth that if you think back to Roman times, Greek philosophy times and these sorts of things, incredible wealth that people received and then they wrote it down in books. You think about it. If, if those books were still preserved today and kept today with all that knowledge on how to, I mean, Hippocrates even in health and science, and then you've got philosophers, and then you've got, you know, all the different ways of, of building things and constructing things and uh, even understanding the globe. And I mean, Solomon, I believe, from what I read in Solomon, he was probably the greatest scientist um, the world has ever seen, but not just scientists. He, he had understandings into things that no one else in the world had ever had an understanding of. So he would have known how scientifically things join together, and I believe we still uh, receive an inheritance of his knowledge now, even though the world doesn't acknowledge that. But that's just my little rambling. But what I'm trying to say in all this is, if you think about all the knowledge, be it in science, in religion, in philosophy, and in every different area, If it weren't for the human-to-human imparting that knowledge, it would all still be in books right now. And none of us would even know about it. We receive the kingdom of God through one another. Most people, if you look at this, we could do a survey this morning if you like. But if we truly, truly um, get honest with ourselves... We actually have a whole big part to play in releasing God's sovereign plan. It's the two. It's his sovereignty through man's responsibility. And so if you think about it, how did you get saved? Was it a sovereign move of God came into your lounge room and a lightning bolt and Jesus appeared and preached the gospel to you? There may be one person that's happened to. But 99.9 times out of 10, it happens through a human being. The kingdom of God operates through you and through me. And it's a responsibility that we have to invest our talents into one another. And when the opportunity's there, we preach the gospel. When the opportunity's there, we love one another. And this, I believe, is one of the reformations that God is going to return to the Western church, but to the church globally. And it's that the kingdom of God is in us and moves and breathes through us. So even this morning when we hug one another, when we look into one another's eyes and we tell each other, hey, you look good today or you're amazing, it's the kingdom being imparted. It's the kingdom of God being imparted. Or when we, even those little things, when you come to the working bee and pick up a shovel and... (laughs) I just had to throw that in there. 
But all the human encounters that we have, they can either be kingdom encounters or normal boring encounters. So the more we choose to invest our talents and make them kingdom encounters, speak the kingdom of God into people, speak life into people, speak the kingdom language, and it is a heart reformation. And it's what the enemy doesn't like because he was the ultimate orphan. He was orphaned out of the family of God. He shouldn't have been, but he chose to be the orphan. And he wants everyone else to be orphans. And if he can orphan Christians, then he can disempower us from the unity and the transforming power of a group of people who are covenant people, connected in heart, and the power of God flows through that. Why? Because when you need something, we can help you with that. When I need something, we can, you can help me with that. When we need empowering, we empower one another. And the church has been so de-covenanted, broken, it's in mourning right now. It's in mourning. It, you could pick any church around the world. We are by no means special at all. We are the same as every single other church. I never want to put us up on any pedestals. You know, every church, every pastor that I meet has this same tension of how do we really do this thing? We're trying. We're doing our best We've got more comfortable seats for people. We've got it warmer or cooler or lighter or darker or louder or softer or whatever. But at the end of the day, it can only be the reformation of the heart of the people of God and the kingdom of God flowing, living, breathing through us. And when we have an issue, we don't break covenant. We love one another over that, over that issue. And this is the problem with the Western church. We break covenant so easy. Therefore, we don't actually live the new covenant. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. It's up on the wall. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. We break the love covenant with one another all the time. And when we do that, we mourn. We lose. The pastor loses. The church loses. We lose. We all lose. So the family of God loses. And so heart reformation. Let's stand. Thank you. Lord, we pray that you would fill us with an understanding of what it truly looks like to live and breathe in the kingdom of God and release the heart of God through everything we do, everything we say. We pray even right now, Lord, that you would give us wisdom to know how much to just relax back onto your sovereignty and how much to take on in our responsibility. And it will be different levels for each and every one of us. We take away comparison. We take away the orphan that says, I want to I wanna be recognized. I want to be part of the family. You are part of the family. You are part of the family. And so, Lord, we ask today that you would give a reassurance a reassurance of your calling, of your life, of your anointing. And Lord, I pray those talents that you've put within us, that you would multiply them. Multiply them. I pray for divine appointments with people that we know, with relatives, with neighbors, with, with workmates, with people that we connect with. We ask that you would open encounters with them where they will seek out the kingdom in us. And Holy Spirit, I pray for so much wisdom, so much wisdom, so much wisdom. May we be known, if above anything else, may we be known as some very, very wise people. 
wise people because the kingdom of God flows through us, just like with Solomon. Grab hands with the person next to you and uh, we're just going to do a family prayer together and then... Lord, we thank you that you are with us. Lord, I pray that you would continue to release a reformation of the heart, a reformation of true kingdom family, not just a slogan we use, not just a new logo or a promo or anything like that, but the kingdom of God, the real, deep, powerful kingdom that flows like a mighty river from the throne of heaven through us as your believers. Empower us, release us, anoint us. Holy Spirit, I pray even now, release a greater awareness of what that looks like when we flow together in unity and in love. The power is unrelenting. It's incredible. It's incredible. Lord, I thank you for that revelation and even the reformation that you've begun in us. And we just say, go on, increase it, Lord. Increase it among us, Lord. Increase. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. We thank you. We give up offenses this morning. We give up offenses. Maybe we never got that apology from that person that we so needed it from. We give up the offense today. It's not worth it. It's tiring. It's making us sick. We give it up, Jesus. It's yours. We put it up in front of the cross today. And we ask you to wash it away. Wash all offense. Make us an unoffendable bunch. So full of the kingdom. So full of love that we can, we can just see over all that stuff. We can see over all of it. Just let it go straight through to the keeper if you follow cricket. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let your life and destiny flow through us. And Lord, I pray that even a reformation that normally begin very, very, very small, that you may even begin it here this morning in our hearts, in our hearts. So we take hold of your promises. We take hold of your keys. And we ask that you would turn the key of our heart, Lord. Turn the lock of our heart and release the kingdom. Release the kingdom. Release the kingdom. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Go on, just thank him for a couple of minutes. Thank you, Lord. Just receive it by faith today. Receive it by faith. A reformation of your heart to unlock people's hearts, to unlock heaven wherever you go, wherever you go. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You are amazing. You are amazing. Yeah. Amen. 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 Yeah, thank you, Holy Spirit. Well, what do we do, Lord? <laughs> uh, if you feel like, I, I don't really feel to do an altar call this morning, but um, here's what I feel. I feel like there is an anointing and an appointing. And in that, I mean that just with what I've shared, something's come alive in you. There's been a light switched on. I want you just to raise both hands, and I just want to release a fresh anointing and appointing. And the anointing comes first before the appointing. If we get the appointing before the anointing, it's not going to be the anointing. It's going to be the annoying. And so we want the anointing and then the appointing. 
And, but if we go about our lives in the appointing, we're going to be quite empty people. And so, Lord, I pray today that you would release your fresh mantle anointing over each one of us today who have an opening and who have faith to receive it. Fresh anointing, Holy Spirit. Fresh anointing, Holy Spirit. Fresh anointing for the appointing. And Holy Spirit, we receive by faith or by feeling today. Both are valid theologies. If you can feel his presence, you receive that. If you just know he's, he's doing something, you receive it by faith or by feeling. It doesn't matter. And so Holy Spirit, right now, fresh anointing. Fresh anointing. And that anointing, whether you know it or not, if you've raised your hands, I'm telling you right now by faith, you're receiving it. You don't even need to feel it. I've got enough faith to know it's going in. Why? Because I've stood for 22 to 25 years in prayer lines receiving anointing that I've never felt. But I've received it. Holy Spirit, impart a fresh anointing today. A fresh anointing. A fresh anointing for your appointing, for your releasing, for your destiny. And we receive every bit of it today. Just go on, breathe it in. Breathe it in. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God going in us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Bless your name. Amen. Well, go and give a couple of people a really big hug. Release the kingdom in them for a couple of minutes. And then if you're a visitor, come and have a latte. We'd love to say hello. Hang around and... um, We'll see you soon.